Welcome into the boardroom, Weagle's premier all-sports talk show. If you care about the sport, we talk about it. From Auburn football to the English Premier League, we discuss it all. Now sit back and relax, because the boardroom is now in session. And welcome in, everybody, back into the boardroom here again, once again this week. My name is Craig Swankberg. Today is February 1st of 2024. We're back again for the boardroom. Craig Swankberg, Connor Greenberg, and Nelson Early. We're without, unfortunately tonight, we are without our own technical host, or guy who keeps us in check. We're without Kyle Davis tonight. It is uh, it's going to be a rocky episode. He's yeah, kind of our guardrails, uh, so the rails will be coming off. I'm sorry for everyone listening. This will be a, uh, a different experience tonight. Yep. Well, we have uh, we actually have two weeks without our fearless leader, Kyle. Uh, so this is like this is sort of the practice room without him. So hopefully we'll have our stuff together next week. But uh, this week this, he this, is. This could get a little unhinged, he's especially with the way Auburn basketball has, uh, has looked. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get on to start with that. Let's start with uh, Saturday versus the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Oh. If you have that up. Womp womp womp. Yeah. Three week performance. Uh, Auburn lost. Uh, 64-58, some of the key stats. Got out-rebounded by 15. Uh, Auburn shot 25% from three and only 34% from the field. Uh, and once again, we saw our starting starting lineup. Uh, Chris Moore, 0 for 2 from three. Jalen Williams, 0 for 4 from three. Trey and KD combined 0 for 3 from three. Um, had a little bit of a, a late change to the starting lineup with some violation of team rules. Um, not totally sure what was happening there, but uh, this one was – Pretty much, we handled our business defensively. We gave up bad offensive rebounds at really inopportune times, and our offense looked anemic for most of this game. And uh, pretty much anything that wasn't inside of Janai Broom didn't work, and Janai Broom only had seven field goal attempts. Yeah, it's kind of a common theme in these road losses. The wrong guys shoot the ball too much. And I think I think the team has, has realized that and are trying to – Bruce is trying to reel them in a little bit with some lineup changes. Uh, they ran out Trey the last two games. I think the last game was for those violation of team rules. He ran out Trey last night as a starter, uh, presumably without any conflict going on. So I think Trey is the guy for now. Um, the offense definitely runs a lot smoother with him in it, uh, whether he's scoring or not. But, yeah, those those rebounds were just – Mississippi State's a good rebounding team, but it was just pathetic on the road. Uh, there was no juice at, at, at times. I mean – it's like we couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. It was and, pretty bad. And Mississippi State gave Auburn a lot of help when they went to the charity stripe. Mississippi State only shooting 9 of 18, 50% from the free throw line, while Auburn hit 14 of 16, shooting at 87.5% from free throws. And, yeah, I, it really just speaks to the offensive rebounding numbers like we were just talking about. Like, you can't be that badly out, out offensive rebound on the road, especially when you get out-rebounded by 15 with both rebounds combined. And then, And not only that, we shot – 34%. We missed like 37 shots. We only had six offensive rebounds on our own. So just a, we just got dominated on the boards. And uh, if you, you were listening to the boardroom last week, I talked about how our guards' rebounding effort was a major problem. They, they are not boxing out. They were not checking out. And, and uh, last night against Vanderbilt, we saw a major improved performance in the guard rebounding. Trey Donaldson had seven rebounds last night, and Aiden Holloway had three off the bench in what for him is pretty limited minutes. Yeah, our main, our main leading rebounder, technically calling a guard, was on for the other our Mississippi State was Chad Baker-Mazar, six points. But that's kind of the key, I thought, against Mississippi State. He, Auburn needs him to be – they need bench success to be successful. 
with how many guys we use on that, I mean, the leading scorer off the bench was uh, Chaney Johnson with eight points, along with Denver Jones with eight. Aiden had seven, and then Chad had three on one of six shooting, one of three from the three-point line with 23 minutes. I think uh, kind of tra- transitioning into our game last night, I think the game last night showed our formula there in the second half. Not, I mean, it's Fandy, but kind of who needs to be on the floor the most amount of times. Um because in, in that Mississippi State game, some of those rotations where the juice just wasn't in the lineup, we had guys who were our pump-up guys like Katie and Dylan just not providing anything of substance. And, I mean, even Dylan had like four fouls in like yeah, five minutes played. He, he was, put up a bunch of goose eggs and was quite he, literally useless. His he, Dylan, Dylan Carwell's T, uh, Torvik offensive rating last night was zero. And going back, zero. And going back to the Mississippi State game with Dylan, Six minutes. He oh, he was very close to putting up a snell. Very. He close. was just he, doing cardio. He had a he had one block. Very wow. close to putting up a snell. Wow. Four but, fouls. One block. Six minutes of action. And and part of the issue there is you look at the box score and one of the main issues in the Mississippi State game is how's your best player Deny Broom only putting up seven shots? Dude is gassed. Cardwell gave him no break off the bench because he came in and within thirty seconds fouled and sat right back down. Yeah, that um. Although honestly, the way he played last night. I wish he would just foul out. I mean, I think with this team, especially down the stretch in some of these big games, when we do, especially on the road, you get in foul trouble typically on the road, especially when kind of tensions and emotions are high. We have the guys to combine some line and get some interesting lineups going that will provide both on both ends of the floor. It's going to come down to whether the head guy wants to do it because yep. Denver Jones, Trey Donaldson, Chad Baker Mazzara, Jalen Williams, and Janai Broom need to be on the floor the majority of the time. If one of those guys is in the lineup, stuff is not going to go right. And it proved Mississippi State. And at times, even last night, it proved it. The plus minuses last night were abysmally just the white. It went from negative nine with Dylan to plus 40 with Janai Broom. And there were times on the floor where all of our bench guys were on, and it just nothing looked right. Nothing looked right at all. And I think. We're paying. We're paying them the big bucks to to see that and determine that those guys are our guys. And if none of them are on the floor at the same time, it's not going to look good. I mean, yeah, we had a deep bench last night, especially with the the uh, kind of the practice squad guys getting in. But it was good seeing just some more offensive production from some of the bench guys. I mean, Chad, good bounce back game eleven. But other than that, really didn't have much in terms of the offensive from the bench. The I mean, bench. We... The bench needs to be Chad. Cheney, KD. It's gonna happen. I mean, gonna have to and then Dylan, Dylan, and then Dylan plays sporadically. This is a nine-man rotation, Maximum. which will win. Which and, and, it'll and win. It's not a. It's not saying. It, it's it's not. I mean, listen. It is a dig at Chris Moore and Leo Berman, but it's more of the other guys are really good. Like the I believe it was like ten of the top four or four of the top ten. Duo like in terms of efficiency on offensive and defense have Chad Baker Mazzara in them. Yes, Chad Baker Mazzara, Jalen Williams, and Janai Broom need to be playing thirty minutes a game. Your best players at this point in the season, we're in February now. Your best players need to be playing thirty minutes or around that number between twenty eight thirty two minutes, and especially that last five six minutes down the stretch. I mean, we had a lineup in that was unplayable on offense in terms of just the the way it was. What was it? Aiden KD. Simo, um, Cheney, and Dylan. I mean that that lineup, that five on offense in an SEC game. I don't care if you're playing Vanderbilt or in Knoxville. 
it's not gonna work. And my we the the stubbornness to get rid of that because to Nelson's point, if you cut the rotation down, you can start to get really creative with what you throw at teams, and it's gonna help those offensive lulls. You could have some lineups with Aiden, Trey, and Denver and go small, or you could have Trey, KD, Jay Will at the three, Cheney at the four, and and Janai at the five, and you get really tall. Like, there's a lot of versatility in terms of what Bruce can do with the rotation that we haven't seen yet. And it's February 1st. What are you waiting for? Which, uh, I mean, it's confusing because the philosophy on defense has been we're switching constantly, which means that Bruce trusts in his guys to be able to defend all five positions on the, on the floor, which means, in inverse, they could also play all five positions on the floor on offense. It doesn't make sense at all. Of course, you know, you don't want Jani Broom playing point. But also, some of those guys in the middle from the two to the four can play multiple spots and combinations. And the fact that we didn't see that early on kind of shows that maybe Bruce wasn't ready for this. Maybe Bruce didn't have this in mind. And if he didn't, that's a problem. Because stuff we're saying preseason, especially after the first few games, this team can match up for like size with almost anybody in the country. I do want to talk a little bit about Aiden Holloway because – Someone we were very high on coming into the season. Yes, he's still um, a freshman, given that credit. Very highly tated, but talented. But the last four games, he has combined for a total of 19 points. So that is versus Ole Miss at home, at Alabama, at Mississippi State, and then versus Vanderbilt. He scored nine points. One last night against Vanderbilt, seven on the road at Mississippi State, two on the road at Alabama, and nine at home against Old Miss back on the 20th of January. Just He's 0 for 5 from 3 last night. Those were his only field goal attempts. I mean, we were looking that he was getting some good looks on well, some of those. And and we've talked about this a little bit off air. He doesn't take bad looks, but he he doesn't get set. His his shooting form is very much like almost like, like a Like Steph in a flow, like where the like, flow will like go towards the basket. He's falling one way or the other. When he's set in square against Mississippi State, those were the threes he hit. Yeah, not the ones where he's like running up, and it quick just, stop, and then he's like kind of that momentum. It's increasing forward. the difficulty, and and honestly, I think part of his shooting woes are the fact that it's all off the dribble. He dribbles the shot clock down to 15, 10, 12, almost every possession. I would love to see, I think, to alleviate that, some minutes with him and Trey, where Trey can he can pass the ball to Trey and go around. Someone sets a screen, kind for of him, him going to the two guard. Can, yeah, and he can get some catch-and-shoot looks because we saw Denver Jones shoot his way out of a slump last night with some catch-and-shoot looks. It's much easier to shoot off the catch, especially when you've got a big guy like Jay Willard and I curling, uh, setting a screen to curl around. It, he, I mean, he's, he's got to change a little bit of his mentality or to get his way out of a slump, he's got to have to take the ball to the rack, go get some free oh, throws. 100%. And I think he's definitely improved on defense. He's not the liability he was to start the year. Which is good. I mean, Bruce said he's going he, to if he, improve. If he didn't do that, he wouldn't be in the lineup. Oh, he wouldn't. But if if all you provide besides your defense, which isn't it's average at best, which is fine. But if all you provide is average defense and off dribble threes, you can't drive. You you can pass pretty well, but sometimes you're a little out of control, and you dribble down the shot clock. What are you providing? There's there's there, there's going to be games like last night where he plays 12 minutes and Trey plays like 28. And that's going to happen. And I'm glad we have two-point guards on the team who can play in the SEC, which makes that more alleviable than if we didn't have Trey. But Yeah, I just – going forward, I think we all kind of like – when Trey was starting in the year, like we talked about on here, like, yeah, but at some point, like Aiden's going to get that, and he's going to to flip that switch. And 
honestly, it feels like since he became the starter, he had a he had a little stretch where he was good. I mean, and he's regressed pretty badly in SEC play. Competition's gone up, but last two three minutes of the game in Knoxville or when we had Bama here. You can't tell me that you want Aiden Holloway on the court right now. No. It's kind of like when we go back to that kind of what we thought about Trey Donaldson last year. I mean, remember that he didn't wasn't really like blowing us away a little bit. Like, why would we play but, him over that? Like Zep over KD over Wendell. But then, like, remember that game against Iowa in the tournament? He yeah. was on there's, fire. There, but there's different expectations. Trey exactly. Donaldson was a four star safety, three star point guard. Aiden Holloway's a McDonald's All American. I also think That's they true. have complete opposite mentalities when it comes to playing basketball, especially on offense. Trey is yeah. more. Pass first, run the yeah, offense. Trey is a more traditional point guard, which with this team you might need. I, I think, especially now if he's coming off the bench, Aiden can play a huge role, like what Trey did against Iowa last year. Which I mean, is, think about Wendell can, too. Wendell was come a six off, man. He can uh, come off the bench and go nuclear and hit two threes in a row in two possessions and get everybody off their feet in the jungle or quiet in the away crowd. Like that's a big thing that we able to have. He's just he's got to play. He's got to play. The game's got to slow down for him a little bit. He's, he's got to he's got to play at a little bit slower speed. I could try and force himself out of the slump, but it's not going to work. I could see him kind of being like what Window was in our SEC 2021-2022 regular totally. season, like six man of the uh, the weeks back to back to back. Just just got to find a way to get some shots of the hoop, and hopefully he can try to find that this Saturday versus Ole Miss. But yeah, that is going to do it for us this first segment. When we come back. We have some new head coaches in the boardroom for the National Football League. We'll talk about that and much more coming up later on the boardroom. You're listening to the boardroom on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the boardroom, everyone. You're once again hanging out with Griggs, Connor, Kyle. Oh, not Kyle. Sorry, that's just a force of habit. Griggs, Connor, and Nelson. Kyle still away on his recruiting visit. But we are back again once again, the boardroom here. And the last time we talked about Auburn basketball versus Mississippi State and versus Vanderbilt. But now we transition to the National Football League, where two of us have new coaches, and we'll start down in Carolina, where the Carolina Panthers have hired Dave Canales, former offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, former passing passing game coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks, along with new GM and president of football operations, Dan Morgan, former Carolina Panther and very good player in general. But new coach, and you guys will agree with me on this one. I'm I'm a very honest Panthers fan, I think, most of the time, but his tenure will probably be defined on what he does with Bryce Young in the next one, two, three years. I mean, yeah, I, 100%. yeah 100%. Like he, the, yeah. And, and, yeah, you know, me and Connor are Panther haters, especially since you drafted Bryce Young. So there's not a lot of constructive stuff that we're going to add to this debate or conversation. But um, definitely not the worst coaching hire of the cycle. That uh, goes to maybe a couple other teams uh, that I won't name right now. Um, but, yeah, if your offense is good, you'll be fine. Um that you are in, you were in the worst division in the entire NFL, uh, of which now two will have new head coaches. So it's for the taking, but it's going to ride on Bryce Young. Yeah, I mean, obviously, listen, you bring in what, what smart organizations do when they have a young quarterback is to bring in an offensive guy to develop and work with them. Um, they chose Dave Canales. He did a pretty good job working with Baker this year. Um, I think for him – He's got some potential to just this to be a, a rough year. He's a, he's a first-time coordinator. He's only been a coordinator for one year in the NFL. Um, and now he's a head coach, which I mean, he he did some good things down in Tampa, but there were there were also some games. And listen, he, Baker Mayfield, as Panthers fans know, is not not anything special. But it's not like they had so much success that you're like, wow, this is a slam dunk. I I think it could be good. Part of the part of what it's not his job. It's gonna be Dan Morgan's job is. This is probably the least talented team in the NFL. 
with one of their best players on defense being a free agent? I, I think the defense is very, very good, especially keeping uh, Evero. I, that's pretty much going to be the scene because we're not going to let him leave for another defensive coordinator job, and he's still under contract. We've denied in, interviews well, already with teams. Well, if wants to keep him, and which I would in his press conference today, he said he is a huge part to the success going forward. Yeah, so, I mean, that that helps. Um, Derek Brown, there there are some pieces there. The go, Derek uh, Brown. Love Derek Brown. I mean, y- you got you to gotta build the offensive line. That's true. And what I said going back to is, like, it's going to be a difficult challenge, yes, but, again, it helps with the NFC South. It, it, that is Dude, I think thing. the NFC South is going to be better than you think. It is, but here's the thing you got to think about, where only w- really two quarterbacks are under contract next year, and that is – Bryce Young, and that is Derek Carr, where Baker's in a contract yeah, the, year. They're I think they're probably going to pay him. They're going to pay Baker, and Atlanta is going to do something. I don't know what in the world Atlanta. They're going to trade do. up, or they will sign Russell Wilson or something. But but think about it. whatever they do, the the level of increase from Desmond Ritter to quite literally any other NFL quarterback is going to be. I mean, that's going to be worth two or three. Oh, the Falcons are the most talented team the in that division. The Falcons are scary. Yeah, they're good. I will I mean, tell look you, at their defense. I, that I defense is nasty. Jesse Bates I, is a dog. I can't. He believe. is one of the most criminally under. I know he went to Wake. He is one of the most criminally underrated players. People do not talk about yeah. the effect him leaving Cincinnati had on that yeah, defense. It, yeah, I was about to bring that up. Him leaving Cincinnati after what he's done, yeah. like them letting him just walk was. They're absolutely crazy to me. And like they, they have like, a they have a really good offensive line. He had an interception in the Super Bowl and they let him walk. I'm like, I know they have to pay. Yeah, yes, you had to pay Joe. You're gonna have to pay Jamar in a year. T T Higgins is probably gonna walk because he's probably not gonna franchise. So that means Jamar's getting a contract this year. That defense yeah. I just I mean you think you Sam hey, Hubbard, I hey, mean you get to play six teams against the NFC South. I mean they were they were what, eight and nine this year? I mean they I, I cannot imagine I mean, that they that it was a now with a, a new coach Raheem Morris, uh, he's a retread. Um, I, I certainly he, it's not a, a crazy inspiring hire to me, but with all the ta- with all the talent on that defense, he'll have them playing really well. I mean, I'm surprised the I'm Saints didn't sh- get a new coach. Like, I mean, su- that's crazy. I'm, su- Dennis uh, staying on I'm not grade. sure who they hired as the OC, but to me, the Falcons are the team to watch in that division. Because and I mean the the Bucks dude, if, they, might- if they get a quarterback with all those weapons, they have a good O line. Like it's it's still wide open. I do think the Falcons just because a it just matter goes down to what Raheem Morris is going to do, and then the fact that every playmaker on Tampa is basically in a free agency year. Yeah. That's it's because be they got to keep Baker and Evans. Yeah, uh, and and to add that, the Saints going back to the prior. Their de- this is they're, their their defense is terrible. On offense, they should be good on paper. Michael but Thomas is they just he's mm, washed. They, Cars washed. Dennis Allen Dennis might be Allen, the worst coach in the NFL. No, he's not good. I don't know, him he might be Eber, the worst. Him and Ibrafluser. He is the, the old Ryan Day blows. third you know, base. Like statistically, Dennis Allen because he had he was with the Raiders. Or whatever, like he is one of the worst coaches in NFL history. I mean, I don't know why they kept him like another year, especially with the coaches still like. Well, now they're waiting. Now they've been in cap uh, jail for a while now. Um, They've still worked around it, and they've worked around it. But it's, I think, the time's coming where they're going to have to, especially when they have to pay, especially when they have to pay Olave. Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna have to either. By the way, had a sneaky bad year, and Kamara too. Yes, he did have a ton of drops. Michael Thomas can't stay on the field. I mean, Kamara needs to only stay on the field. Exactly. Um, I I still, I think Canales is a good fit. I th- I like his energy that he brings. Yes, I do think this is what we needed. We needed a young offensive mind where Frank Reich was the past offensive mind. Just didn't really work out. We have we had a top five defense statistically in the NFL because the problem well the problem was they had to limit people to seventeen points a game or you weren't going to win minus the Packers game which was 
the reason why Joe Barry should be fired with cause, which he was. But um, yeah, no, I'm uh, excited also, for the. I saw him in DC. Yeah. I'm excited for the future because again, in the NFC South, it's really it can be anyone's year at any point in time. Like no one really thought the Bucks were going to do anything after. Like people were already talking about Todd Bowles being like on the hot seat. And I mean, he is. A he should be on the hot seat. He is a he's, terrible. He's, he's, he, he's, a, honestly, very good, he's honestly, a very good defensive coordinator. If 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 any Bucks fans are out there listening, um, you should be like hating my Philadelphia Eagles because y- y'all destroying us got Todd Bowles one more year, and that is just yeah. spells disaster for y'all. I so it'll be sorry, guys. I, I think the other two. I mean, I'm we had, we had two new coaches this this year in the NFC South. I think the other two teams will have one next year. Yeah. Um. Who knows. I mean, if Todd Bowles could really do it with Baker, well, again, no, Canales is calling the plays, yeah. but still. But it, I think I think to, to wrap it up on Canales, it, it's it's going to come down to how Bryce Young develops and if David Tepper can be patient. I think both it's, those. It's I not. Think, there's not enough draft capital. There's not I, enough. I think those it's, both it's, can it's, happen. It is more than a one year. The rebuild. Panthers this I, year have to draft O line. No, they, yes. they have to because they, they don't have that. They, they, they don't have yeah. the draft capital to get. Hey, a Dan big, Morgan called it a late first round pick. A, a, a big well, time. But, but it's. You yeah, can go out and wide and get a wide receiver. I just don't, go get a I just don't want us to overpay for a wide receiver. Like, Dude, yes, you might, you might have. I know for Mike or T, oh, that's the only way. I don't want us to go like Curtis Samuel. Bring him back. You think they might like Cooper walk walk in for the Rams? Or they might trade him. They might, but I don't know. But let's get to the news story of the no, day. I don't, I, don't, I don't think we need. We got. Some I think time. we need to. We got some time. We, we can go to. into the next segment too. Are you sure? Yes, we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, we should get we should get a women's basketball update. It is currently thirteen to twelve, South Carolina. Uh, at the end of the first quarter, Ooh, but Auburn oh. is hanging in there. Oh wow, man! Uh, let's talk. Let's break that. Wow, that wow. That coach Johnny Harris has done a great job for the Auburn Tigers. The same cannot be said for new Commanders head coach Dan Quinn. Dan. Congratulations, to Connor. Top of that for Connor. For the worst yes. head coaching hire of the cycle. No, that he's not the worst head coaching hire of the cycle. It's yeah. the Falcons, bro. It's it's the Titans. And yeah, I I, I mean he did. Yeah, might be all right. Well, Connor's getting us off the point. But reports, yeah, let's reports, talk about how bad the reports, Titans are. Reports by Adam Scheffner still not Sheff- Scheffner Scheffner still not being reported by the team. Reported he, by the he, team. He's Dan he's, Quinn will be the next head man in Washington. If you were a Bama fan, it's technically the quote unquote first choice that the Commanders football team are worth. No, head. oh, absolutely not. When I'm not gonna co- listen, I've I've tried to. To grapple with this all day, I'm not going to try and cope and tell you that Dan Quinn was our first choice. We interviewed him three times. We interviewed Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick a combined zero times, zero. Josh Harris, when he hired Adam Peters as our new GM, said it will be a quick but thorough search. How can you have a thorough head coaching search and not at least interview? A dude who's won six Super Bowls. He's washed. I'm not saying I wanted him. I actually think I would take Dan Quinn over him. But how do you not at least have that conversation? This is so frustrating because this organization had so much positive momentum. Come at getting rid of Dan Snyder. I mean, all the NFL people, we won the GM search. This was the guy that every team that was hiring a GM wanted Adam Peters. Yeah. And Adam Peters picked us. This, this job has the most cast space in the NFL, a number two overall pick. This was – the stars were aligned to go get Ben Johnson, and he played us like a fiddle. I think if they make it – He texted us. He didn't want the job as we are flying to go see him. This is vintage Washington R words. And why? And why did he, did he not choose the commanders? Well, uh, supposedly he wants to win Super Bowl. I'm not sure why that – he wants to stay I mean, in Detroit. He just got three. Uh, I – I think there's Joe a G- lot. There's Joe a lot. Gibbs is still alive. I mean, like we talked about, uh, Josina Anderson talks about like the salary. Apparently, that was a thing that like spooked a lot of teams. Clearly, 
this was the guy that we wanted. Like, uh, and when Adam Schefter started started like some rumblings of like, oh, I don't think this is a lock, whatever. He was their first choice. They got played. I think. He's and then what happened was we should have gone. What we should have done is if we weren't a hundred percent locked in on Ben Johnson, we should have had Mike McDonald in D.C. and not let him left the building. The second he got on that plane to Seattle from Baltimore, you knew it was over. Um, listen, all the the kind of NFL people that are involved in football are like, oh, Dan Quinn was a really – like he was a strong candidate. He sh- he's going to be a great coach in D.C. Um, Adam Peters talked about a lot. I watched his press conference. Like he wanted his coach to be – this was a leader of men, kind of the, the inspirational, motivational guy. A lot of people think Dan Campbell is – and I guess that's Dan Quinn. Michael Parsons loves him. Like he seems like a player's guy, more so than Rivera, certainly. But then you just look back but and just see what he did with. I do, I just didn't. I don't think this is this was the time for it's, a retread. It's an I think I think he's proven that he is not a head coach. He's a defensive coordinator and a really good one. Um, but because the got problem team to the Super Bowl, but the problem with this is we yeah. have the number two pick. This is the best chance we've had since 2012 when we had a Robert Griffin. To get our franchise quarterback. This franchise has not had a franchise quarterback since Joe Theismann? Oh, come on. Jason. Sam Howell. Come on, Sam Howell. Jason Kirk, Kirk Campbell Cousins for was, like two years? Kirk Cousins was pretty good for a little bit. Yeah, but he was never a franchise guy because he wouldn't sign a contract. Well, yeah. I wonder why. Um, um, this is uh, the, the best case scenario for us is Dan Quinn, whether it's Biennemi or, or dear God, if it's Chip Kelly, I'm, I'm <sighs> not watching football. But he hires some great OC – who picks a quarterback, the number two, and we develop him. He has a great rookie year, a lot like what C.J. Stroud and Bobby Slowick have done. Mm-hmm. But then someone's going to pluck him. Bobby Slowick will be a head coach in the NFL next year. Yeah. And you're going to have to keep hiring an O.C. And look what happened in Philadelphia. When you keep losing offensive coordinators every year, and it doesn't coach. work. So you're saying, did the commanders spend too much money on their GM and on their head coach? Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more in the next segment. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Dan Quinn going to the Washington Commanders along with our newfound love for WWE gifts. So do not go anywhere. Second half of the show is coming up. You're listening to The Boardroom on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into The Boardroom, everybody. Second half of the show. You're listening here with Griggs, Connor, and Nelson. Kyle's still away. Last time we talked about uh, Dave Canales being the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers and a little bit about Dan Quinn being the new head coach of the Washington Commanders. But we're going to continue that talk here now. With that being reported earlier today, Connor was talking about that a little bit last. But Connor, if not Dan Quinn, you already said Ben Johnson. I do think if they do make a Super Bowl, at least I do think Ben Johnson would have left. I think that's just a big chip I, I don't on his shoulder. Or his... maybe that just speaks to the culture Dan Campbell has like brought in Detroit, where people feel attached. Like we're doing this together. Let's stick together. I mean, both of their coordinators got at least interest. From other we, teams, we interviewed Aaron Glenn, like a bunch. The fact that they both are committed to staying is a testament to Dan Campbell, and it's why he is going to continue the work in the NFL. Um, it won't be just a flash in the pan. This team is built to be good for a while. Um, but it's just whenever this this guy dropped, and we, me and Connor, were hanging out all day. His seeing his reaction, the immediate thought in my head is. This has to just be a holdover coach. But the problem is you're having a holdover coach in a year with a number two draft pick. The only reasonable explanation is that you're playing to have a number two draft pick for like at least one more year. You're playing yeah, to I mean, take listen, more. This is Josh Harris's ownership. When he took over in Philadelphia, 
he stripped it all down and kind of got like a Spurs culture guy and Brett Brown that was supposed to be the leader of men. But this ownership group, if you look at the Sixers, has always kept a coach a year too long. Doc Rivers was a year too long. Brett Brown was a year too long. They went out and got Nick Nurse this year, who's who, who I wanted for the Suns. But I think this is going to be way more of a rebuild than than Commanders fans would like. Um, it's gonna. I yeah. Mean, I mean, listen. This, this, listen. This, this, I think there's a there's a formula there to turn it around quick, like in Houston. But we that roster can look very different, and Adam Peters should be able to work his magic. I mean, yeah. You I think their- I think if Adam Peters does his job, and Dan Quinn doesn't, I do think with Nelson. I don't think they'll be. I hope they won't be afraid to pull the plug early, because I mean, speaking from experience of coaches gone pretty quickly. I mean, it's easy to tell. Like you know, you, you know, you know. I, do I mean, Ron Rivera was pre-fired coming into this year. The only reason Ron Rivera wasn't fired was because Dan Snyder didn't want to pay his buyout because he knew he was selling the team. He my, didn't care. My thing with the Commanders is interesting because you have well Ben Johnson, of course, and then McDonald. I mean, that was an interesting one too. I mean, Seattle probably just like the thing is with the Commanders, they went. You guys pushed all your chips to the middle of the table for Ben Johnson. Thing is, with that, and it would have, Seattle it would have really wasn't looking run. at Ben Johnson, which allowed them to focus more on McDonald. I do think that's the reason why they ended up getting him. I think if Seattle didn't get McDonald, they were going to get Dan Quinn. I, my interesting thought is, like, why would you not? You, I know Belichick probably not because he's a little bit older. You guys the, were looking the, for someone. The no Vrabel thing to me. The Vrabel's the one that's it's very my, interested by, especially since he, everyone was talking about, like, he'll want to coach with Arthur Smith. Once Arthur Smith got signed as the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator the other day, I was like, oh, Vrabel probably could do this one. Where it as a as an Eagles fan for like two days that was like hoping my coach would be fired, Vrabel is the guy I wanted. Yeah, Vrabel, and the fact that he hasn't been hired, uh, Vrabel to me seems like the closest thing. Like everyone kind of wanted to hire their Dan Campbell or D'Amico Ryan's. Like come in, like really gritty dude, super good leader of men, and also some good X and O stuff. Vrabel seems like the closest thing to me to that available. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I I don't know. I mean, to me, he for, seems like he has more of that than Dan Quinn. My, Vrabel had a one seed in the AFC with, with Ryan, Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill. Yeah. He's a good coach. He hasn't got it done the last now, two years now because I, the, I'm, I'm wondering maybe if he beat the, Brady's the organization last game got scared off because Malik Willis and Ron, or uh, and Levis like really didn't develop under him and like you want a young quarterback, but. Well, Levis you just know, got drafted and looked decent in his outings. So. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm his biggest fan, but you know. Young quarterback developed under our current offensive coordinator. That is true. Which Patrick is wh- Mahomes. Which is why I'm interested to Little see Mahomes. what they do with the enemy because he's become top of the world head coaching candidate to non-existent yep. in a year. Oh yeah, no one wants him. That's very. I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't. I don't think he, he had it easy to. He was going to walk right into the Kansas City Chiefs coaching job whenever Andy Reid ret- retires, which uh, could I potentially actually, be. Could I be. I don't year. know about that. Could be. I think if Andy Reid retires. I think Spags gets that job. No, well, n- that is the case now. But if you look back a year I, I, ago, dude, I don't think so. I think I think Spags is the guy all along. Hmm. That's a, but like Spags is criminally underrated. By thing, the way, he had a oh. really bad run as a head coach. Yeah, he should be getting interviews, and and which is why I think it's big. The Eagles got Flores too. Like he was not a, the greatest head coach, but he did really Fangio? good. Sorry, Vic Fangio. Sorry. Yeah, I agree. Fangio's yeah, a great. We, we uh, I mean, Kellen Moore is a disaster. Sorry. Well, yeah, that's uh, an interesting one. Yeah, you, going, you got to take the case of the Chargers. Go, going back to uh, to my to my team, I guess not going back, but uh, 
Kellen Moore was not the guy I wanted, but he is still at least better than Brian Johnson. How, first off, how he got that job is insane. His route trees were Gus esque. Uh, could not. He almost ended up here. He couldn't be. Deplo- <laughs> Dating back before <laughs> Hugh Freeze got hired, so many people. Because they just didn't want freeze because of the baggage. We're grasping at straws for anybody. And the fact that Brian Johnson got brought up and people were clamoring and wanted him is insane. And the fact that those people have not eaten crow yet publicly, had to have a public press conference about that, is insane. And the fact that he's still getting interviews for OC jobs is also insane. It would be very funny if he went to the Commanders. It would be no, It would be the best day of my life. Um, I will say one thing, though, for the Eagles, just real quickly. like It's hard to lose both your coordinators and not your head coach in the same year and to still have that sustained success. Like, but, we saw at the beginning where that was okay, but, like, once it started getting – once people started seeing what they no were doing – There was the no leadership. There exactly. Was, there was which, nothing. Which was, was begs the question, which – shout out to the beat reporter who asked him this. What does our head coach do? And he his answer was, not great. Sometimes I'll be at a defensive meeting. Sometimes I'll be in the offensive meetings. I mean, I'm just a leader of men. Well, when you don't tackle in practice and you tackle terribly in the playoffs, that's on you. That's on you. That Javon Hargrave interview when he talked about the difference yeah. between San Francisco and Philadelphia was disgusting. Was disgusting. My- I, I will I will say just to wrap up on kind of the coaching hire stuff. This is an offensive league. The Super Bowl for the last five years has been offensive head coach versus offensive head coach. If you take Belichick out of that, no offensive coach or no defensive coach except for Bill Belichick, has coached the Super Bowl in eight years. Eight. The last one was Dan Quinn. Quinn. Yeah, because Ron was a couple of years before that one. Like, about Ron. it's, no, I get, no, I get it, I get it. It's so much easier to replace a defensive coordinator than it is an offensive coordinator. I just, I, especially when you're going to draft a young quarterback, you got to go. I don't understand if, if I, I know he just signed an extension. If Ben Johnson flamed out, whatever. How do you not just go get Bobby Slowick? Um, yeah. That's an He's been in the building mm-hmm. before. He was with the R words. My thing is with Ben Johnson, like he's him saying that like wanting to wait another year, like started I started to think about what jobs it's could weird. be potentially open next it's year. It's weird like, though, because last year he said that. It made sense last year. Yeah. Like, dude, this is the time to go. I think he's maybe waiting for the star to open up. Maybe. But he's not getting that job. He may. I think Why so. Why would any coach take that job? Well, because you have all you got to do is win at least one playoff game. And you're better than the predecessor. Uh, have you seen what the commanders do? I mean, still, but, like, that's the it's biggest. It's the most scrutinized job in the NFL. It is, but it's the biggest job in the NFL. I'm, I'm not disagreeing, but they they won the division this year, and 95% of their fan base want their head coach fired. I know, still, but, like. I mean, they do have loads of star power. They do. And I, again, I don't disagree. They just I don't disagree, a, but I'm just saying, like, that is not a. I mean. That's not a job. That, like, I mean, listen, Mike McCarthy got that job. Ron Rivera took our job over that job. I mean, think about it, too. Like, you have, like, uh, there's it, two teams in the AFC, in the NFC East I could see him potentially going to next year now. Because it's probably well, going to I think, I think it's, it's this is a do or die year for both uh, McCarthy as well as um, Sirianni. I would take a bad year for us to get a good head coach. Because Sirianni. Well, this is going to be a very different year for the Eagles. Sirianni's first year started off rough, and then he decided to run the ball, and we just. Ended up barely sinking into a wild card. Uh, the year after that, Super Bowl, of course. This year, it's just the personnel wasn't there. 
the fact that we got DeAndre Swift to be a thousand yard rusher was insane, and he just wasn't actually good at all. And just not having Fletcher Cox this next year. They're well, he was not good this year. Well, dude, like their their nucleus is old. Yeah, old, it is. Old, old, Brandon old. Graham's old. Cox is old. Kelsey's, Kelsey's retiring. Gone. Lane Johnson is on the decline. This could be a good year for just a simple rebuild and for a simple and how develop Howie, young players. Howie will clear some of that cap. Yeah, I mean, you have some um, great receivers too. They like, got to get rid of Slay and Bradbury. They're taking way too much money. I think for, uh, for I mean Bradbury, Bradbury has to be gone. His regression this year has to be documented as one of the worst of all time. We decided him. How much, how much time Johnson. he got, man? Well, pull up a chair. I can tell you about some stories about James Bradbury. Uh, it's it was it was rough. I mean, you have Hassan. Our Redick. linebacker core. He's also old. We, we he's still incredible. He's I mean, good. you're one year out of a Super Bowl. You didn't really lose too too much of that star power. It's just, I think it really does come down to losing both um, your coordinators. You're both your coordinators. It's just there, there wasn't. It it goes back. It circles back to what does Sirianni do? What does he do? What does he add? When we regressed this, far, I mean, we still made the playoffs and won with double-digit wins, but like, I mean, it was a That's, very hollow. I mean, it was very 2020 Steelers esque. It was very hollow. There wasn't any energy in there. You had listen, there are, AJ Brown talking trash yeah. about his quarterback. We had a quarterback who was injured for most of the year, running QB runs and sliding after one. Now because about to get a hit, dude. I think I think if they they threw one more screen. Someone in the city of Philadelphia was gonna pay like that. There was no creativity. It was Gus. I was watching a Gus offense just after a year. We tore it up with Jalen Hurts and gave him like fifty mil a year to stink, to stink. The offense wasn't about Jalen. It was about the guys around him and him be able to just give him the ball. It's the all Brock, Brock Purdy conundrum. Too, they were way too talented to. To play the last two months the way they did, it was the old Brock Purdy conundrum. There was also like, to know some point about the Steelers, like that Steelers team didn't play anybody, and they played some close games with some teams that weren't that great. Like y'all took the Commanders to overtime. Commanders we lost to the six. Jets. You lost. You lost to Zach Wilson, and you almost lost twice to Sam Howell. Like I think, and we didn't know at the time what Sam Howell was like. Like oh, well, Sam Howell was leading the NFL in passing yards half of the year. Like yeah, that, the brother stakes. Like they will. They're they're going to be a very different look. In terms of personnel and in terms of scheme, and they will. He this is a do or die year for both McCarthy and, and Sirianni in the yep. FCs, and well, potentially Brian Dable too. Before we go to break, WWE guests are awesome. Yeah, they are awesome. Yeah, a little, a little, a little backstory for the fans at home. Uh, we decided what was the last Saturday night? Yeah, uh, to spend our nights, uh, especially with uh, Kyle and uh, newly married Kyle and, and, and Emily, watching. Uh, not watching not basketball, not watching, I don't know, a movie. Uh, watching some wrestling. Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble was electric. We Thoughts and prayers to CM Punk. Uh, tearing his body. Uh, yeah, it's just disgusting. If you want to learn more about WWE, you can listen to WWE GO. I forgot what night that is, but that's with Noah, my co-host for Smooth Operators, which is Friday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Plug God. Plug God. Plug God. Which is also tomorrow. Big news tomorrow. We'll break down Lewis Hamilton yeah, going big to news. Ferrari. They're still driving cars. But, yeah, after this break, we're going to go kick it into our weekly picks. Kyle has some picks that he's picked out for us. He's got his picks as well on there. So do not go anywhere. Last segment of the show is coming up. You're listening to The Boardroom on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into The Boardroom, everyone. Our final segment of the show. So far, we've talked about new NFL head coaching hires, Auburn basketball, as well as a little bit on WWE gifts. But now it is time for our weekly pick em segment. Again, Griggs, Connor, and Nelson back here in the studio. And Connor, let's just go ahead and get right into it. Um, this is uh, Connor Davis. I uh, got a little scoreboard up. He does not sound that southern. He ain't that southern, yes, son. He is. You he is. Little... Not that. Yes, he is. 
Anyway, take, your take a wild guess. Who's on top of the leaderboard? I don't care. I really don't care. I pick all vibes. I mean, you pick all after ten weeks, the boardroom pick them. This is true. Just Connor, top of the table, Arsenal. Connor leads with thirty-four points. Kyle's in second with thirty-two. Griggs is in third with thirty-one, and Nelly Bear is bringing up the rear with thirty. Uh, last week, our boardroom unanimous pick was Auburn to cover three and a half against Mississippi State. Uh, they, in fact, did uh, not cover, so we went on one. Our boardroom unanimous pick total is now 12 and 7 overall. We are still plus money. Are we picking SmackDown? I wish. <laughs> I wish. Uh, first, first pick uh, Saturday up at Madison Square Garden. Huge game. UConn is favored by two and a half against the fighting Rick Patino and the Johnnies. Kyle is taking UConn. It says UConn is. For them, it is time to get serious, and Donovan Klingon to have a big game. Uh, I haven't watched much of the Johnnies this year, or or UConn to be fair. The Big East, I need to watch more of. They have a lot of a lot of good drama going on right now, uh, with certain personalities in the Twitter sphere. Uh, <laughs> Levy John, Jeff Goodman. Um, <laughs> but I digress. Um, saying that the fact that I'm not gonna say the number one team in the country is gonna lose on the road, as uh, so I'm picking UConn. This is a tough one because the the garden will be jumping for this one, eleven a.m. Yeah, but people say that UConn the, UConn's second home is yeah, the garden. It's going to be a crazy game because it'll be it'll be like seventy thirty. But this is this is Big East heaven. I, yeah, no, this is what if you want the Big East to be back back, you need this, this is game a be great. Big oh, the Big East was, has been however back. the Big East has been great. I do think uh, I do, UConn is the undisputed number one team in the nation. I do think they'll be able to. Take care of thirteen and eight St. John's. Even though I do think St. John's come back into their own, but yeah, I'm going to go with uh, UConn. But I can't stand how college basketball lines don't come out until a day before. Yeah, I believe these are all. I believe these are all Ken Palm projected lines. Yeah, um, which honestly are probably better than the probably. But yeah, so Um, I'm going UConn. UConn? Of course. I mean, this is St. John's. It's a boardroom unanimous pick, fellas. I'm taking UConn. I I agree with Kyle. I think Donovan Klingon takes over, Uh, and also Tristan Newton on uh, Team Connor from last week. Again, continues to play like one of the best players in the country. I will say one thing: they only did lose to Marquette by one at home, but they are four. They have lost UConn four of their last five against, uh, against Providence last night too. They like, have lost listen, four of their last five. Big East road games are hell. They are not fun. Yeah, they're not. All right, next yeah, one. None on the SEC. Next one. Big twelve matchup between Ooh. Houston Cougars and the Kansas Jayhawks. Kyle picked Kansas, but he said the best defense in the country. Who are top ten in every defensive category win this at home? But he picked Kansas, the what's, best defense in the country. What's Houston. the line? What's the line? The line is Houston Cougars minus four and a half. Yeah, uh, this is going to be a rude reckoning for uh, Calfield. Calfield House or Allen? Allen Calfield is a Calfield is a Sorry, 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 sorry. Allenfield House. Uh, Houston's legit. They're finally getting the best thing that could have happened. And, and I, I like three weeks ago, I did put him on fraud watch because I was not prepared because uh, someone already took my fraud. Um, so I will be wrong on that. Um, they're good. They're really good. And the fact that they're playing in a Big 12 will make them better than typical because they actually have true road games against good teams. Um, and they're going to prove how that experience is going to help them. And they're going to run Hunter Dickinson and crew out of their own arena. Give me the kegs. As someone who's watched a lot of college basketball in the past, it is very rare to win, do a lot of things in college basketball. But winning at Fog Allen Fieldhouse is one of them. One of the toughest places to play in the country. The only time I've really ever seen It'd be embarrassing the last couple of years was when Kentucky went in there and demolished them. That team, that, the year they lost to St. Petersburg. or St. Uh, Petersburg. Peters, sorry, nope. <laughs> sorry, I was thinking soccer. Um, St. Peter's. But 
I'm going to go with the Jayhawks here at home. Uh, the ESPN FBI is predicting Houston to win 75.3%. I still don't think they factored in the Jayhawk effect at home. So I'm going to go with the Jayhawks in this one. Rock chalk. I am going to go with the Cougs. This is – Kyle, Kyle said Kansas is the best team in the country. Houston's Ken Palm efficiency on defense is so far and away number one. I've, it's, it's one of the biggest gaps in terms of the Ken Palm from one to two. By the way, the Auburn Tigers are now three on defensive rating in Ken Palm. Uh, defense travels. Defense wins games on the road. And uh, this is a Kansas offense, that, especially with Hunter Dickinson, a little bit with Kevin McCuller and Dewan Harris. They get frustrated. Houston is going to frustrate the heck out of them. LJ Cryer, Jamal Shedd are such a good backcourt. And I think that those are those are the profile guards that you need to go win big games on the road. So I like Houston. Next one. This is a part two of the Auburn Ole Miss revenge game. We got Auburn minus five and a half traveling to Oxford. We're minus five and a half point favorites. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Of course, I want to wrap up with, with my boys and pick Auburn, but like that's a crazy line for this game. We did beat them almost by thirty in Neville West. Yeah, but we sold out. They're doing their best jungle impression on Saturday, selling out. Uh, they are s- telling their students how many people they're putting in their lower bowl, which is kind of embarrassing. Uh, actually, taking putting that knowledge out there instead of just having them all, you know, line up in a frenzy. But they are uh, Lane Kiffin supporting are trying to do their biggest jungle impression against us. It's a very big game for them. A lot of history with us and them, and multiple sports. I'm gonna pick Auburn because I want to. I want them to win. All vibes. I check vibes. Um, it's not gonna be easy though. Will not be easy. Kyle is also picking Auburn. Griggs. Until I see it done, I'm gonna go with what I think will happen. I'm gonna go Ole Miss because I, I they need to show me they can win on the road in a environment against a non Vanderbilt or a non Arkansas team. Um. I actually, not off vibes, I think off of straight ball knowledge, I think Auburn wins this by double digits. Auburn ran oh, Ole we're Miss. we're so much of a better team. But we're we're so much better, and this is a rare game in the SEC where I think Bruce Pearl can now coach the other guy. Chris Beard. Well, I, just, well, I just can't see. So, I think I just think. I'm I, going I, with my I, gut. I don't think we're going to shoot like we have again. I would, love to, I would love to be wrong. I'm just saying it's got to end. I think that some of the lineup tweaks that they've already done, um, and that Auburn Auburn should win this by ten. Uh, we're gonna go just straight pick them. No commentary because we need we need uh, some analysis on this last game. Iowa State and Baylor. Baylor minus two and a half. Kyle's taking Iowa State. Got to ride with my boy Jacoby Bears. Let's go Cyclones. I think I'm going to ride with the Cyclones as well. I'm a big TJ Otzelberger guy. I think they're sneaky good. Otzelberger. Last game. Can you guess what it is? We go down to Tobacco Road hey. in Chapel Hill. Duke is a five-and-a-half-point underdog heading into Chapel Hill. It's a top-ten matchup. Most it's ever Kyle. been. Initially, Kyle said Duke was going to win this game because of Reed Shepard, which was embarrassing because uh, Reed Shepard plays for Kentucky. Blue teams, come on. Uh, uh, the Bama's already in them. The Bama is already a part but of But Kyle's claiming both these teams are frauds, but John Shire will come through. He's taking the Duke Blue Devils. And this is right before Connor blocked his number. <laughs> Kyle rooting for Duke and going to Alabama the same weekend, trying to lose my friendship. Uh, yes, this is a, this is a tough, tough game to pick because – I do picking Duke is also good because it gets to make Connor mad, but also 
I think they have a chance to at least cover in this game. Um, they're both good, but they're also they're kind of both also. I mean, the ACC in, in general is just down this year, and I think both Duke and UNC are being overinflated because of it. Um, I mean, I mean uh, that's a point. Future DoorDash driver uh, Armando Baycott has not <laughs> been has not been great uh, in his fit. Yeah, but uh, you know, going you know, on, a, going you know, has been great. R.J. Davis is one going on a guess. side thirty-minute side tangent. Um, if you're a 25 year old playing college athletics hey, hey, against, eight, against eighteen-year-olds, two other guys have some shame. Two other guys shame. Pick the game. UNC. My mom's a UNC grad. I'm from North Carolina. I've only met like one Duke real person who went to Duke. Besides, actually two now. My friend Bella, my old Bible teacher, we Mr. Hamburger. I know. I'm going with the heels here. I do think this was a big game, though. Looking down the road at. Can Hebrew uh, win when it matters, especially after what happened last year? Even though they are really good this year, but still, I need to see something. Um, Hubert Davis has already retired, Coach K. Ran him out of his own gym in Cameron, ran him out of the gym in NOLA. Um, heels looked terrible Tuesday night against Georgia Tech. I mean, I'm kind of the Clemson game um, is a loss for Duke, too. So they yeah, coming oh, off Duke 100% losses. lost that game and got gifted them with the refs. But uh, Carolina was clearly looking ahead to this Duke game this week, and they paid the price for it on Tuesday. They had players only meetings after all that game. Uh, according to Armando Baycott, they're going to come out angry, and they're going to start this game hot. They will not let up. I think the Heels will win this game by eight or nine points, and uh, Kyle Filipowski is going to get clamped. Go Heels. But with that, we're going to end the boardroom here. We want to thank everyone for listening. You missed the end of today's show. You can check it out on your favorite podcast platform later. But until next week, same time, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. For Nelson Early, Connor Greenberg, Kyle Davis, who's not here, I'm Grace Mike. This has been the boardroom on Weagle 91.1 FM. We thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your evening, everyone. Have a great weekend and War Eagle. Thank you for joining us for this session of The Boardroom on Weagle 91.1 FM. If you missed any of today's show, you can listen back to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks again for listening. We will see you next week, and this meeting of The Boardroom is officially adjourned.